Hello, I'm Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm excited for you to hear another episode of this podcast. As a reminder, we started this podcast to highlight stories of faith and sports, and today you're going to hear a powerful testimony from Ahmad Washington. I recently connected with Ahmad through social media and some mutual friends. He played college football at Baylor University from 1994 to 2001. He served many years in ministry as a rap artist, speaking in schools. He's also a pastor of a Methodist home with over 150 kids. You'll hear a lot about that. He's got just a powerful testimony of um, forgiveness, redemption, salvation, and just following the Lord in ministry. He's married to Jennifer, who's also quite the athlete at Baylor on the track and field team. They have two kids, Jace and Jade. They live in the Waco area. I cannot wait for you to hear his story, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Ahmad. Man, great to be here, man. Uh, shoot, appreciate the invitation and the, and the opportunity to be able to share and open it up your platform uh, to me to be a part of what God is doing through you, man. Appreciate it. Amen. So I know we have a lot of listeners who may not be familiar with your story, so I thought it'd be good if you kind of started from the beginning. Um, talk a little bit about your childhood. I know um, you grew up in a home that loved music, but you also you know, ex- had a difficult situation with your father. So talk about yeah, your yeah, childhood sure. and, and some of your background info. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, man, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, man. Um, and the uh, funny thing is I didn't know um, like the good things in my, my childhood until I saw pictures as a, as a older, as a, as a, in my college years. And the reason why was because of just my, my childhood got scarred by a lot of uh, negative, bad memories. Uh, things seem to start out well with my, with my parents for a little bit. And then it just, it, it took a hard, a hard left. Uh, when, uh, we, we changed where we were living and moved to a different space and, uh, certain problems and stuff that my, my mother and my, my father were experiencing were, uh, were brought to the forefront. And, uh, he was, uh, you know, abusive and, uh, you know, had, uh, uh, just wasn't 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 a faithful uh, man in terms of his marriage and f- fidelity to my mom, and so um, you know grew up seeing a lot of things and hearing a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen. Uh, but like I said, you know, you had mentioned earlier, one of the constant things in my life was was music. Music was both a way of escape, uh, but also uh, was uh, something that kind of bound our family together, mm. like sitting sitting around, gathering around. Back then, they had the old school record players, so oh, playing yeah. vinyl, you know what I'm saying, and uh, and things that things of that nature. My my dad was in a band, uh, I never heard him play. Didn't even know he played an instrument until I was in college. And my my father, I mean, my mother told me about it. You know, what wow. I'm saying? when I when I started doing music, um, it was a lot of things that I didn't know of, you know. And then when God called me into the ministry. It was the, I didn't know that his father was a preacher, like my, my oh, wow. granddaddy. So it was a lot of I, I was real disconnected from my father's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like we didn't, I didn't actually spend any time with any of them until his funeral, till he passed away in '95. Uh, so oh, wow. uh, it was it was just it was it was it was a crazy, but you know, but uh, with the music and then sports. One of the things my my my, my father had, uh, my dad did for me before he was he left the house he had he had uh left the house when i was nine but prior to that i had came home and asked my mom about playing football little league football 
And at first she was like, no. And, um, but then he was like, man, you need to let that boy play. So uh, I started playing football uh, then in, Pop, in Little League or Pop Warner, what it's called now. Uh, but shortly after that, uh, it got to a, a fever pitch in my home. Uh, my mother and father was arguing, and um, I was asleep one where well, I was supposed to be asleep. But I was on their bed and just listening to him and had my eyes closed like I was asleep. Mm. And I, I saw him strike her uh, mm. on the face, and she fell on the, on the ground. And then she stood, like, back up, like, and he looked at her as if, like, okay, so you're not, you know, it was this look he had in his face, like he was mad that she got up, you know. And uh, so he went to the to the kitchen, came back with a butcher knife, and I just I, I just knew he was finna stab her. And he threw the butcher knife at the pillow, or well, he threw the butcher knife in my direction. Wow. And it landed in the pillow, and I could feel the cold of the blade on my cheek. And um, And when that happened, he walked out of the room. My mom fell down crying. And, and and for like three or three days, man, my mom was in autopilot. Uh, my dad worked construction in Houston, so a lot of the big skyscrapers that are in, in Houston, he had a hand in building and helping to construct and build those. And um, and he came home tired from a construction gig one day, and man, my mom my mom went crazy on him with a with a Louisville Slugger bat that I had, mm. and uh, and got him out the house and kicked him out. Uh, and uh, he, you know, I didn't, that was, that was at, uh, you know, nine years old. And I didn't see him again until I was in a uh, uh, freshman in college. Wow. Um, and so she just, uh, and when I talked with her later about that, she was like, son, I really, I didn't know what to do. I just did, I knew I didn't want you growing up thinking it was okay to do the things to me. I mean, to your wife, what he, what your father was doing to me. You know, mm. she's like, I didn't have any, no social service resources. You know, a lot of times families have secrets that they keep and struggles that they're going through that they don't express either to family or to other people within their community. And then just seeing that just, you know, helped me to realize the value of like community mm. and having people that you don't just have like surface re- re- relationship with, but there are uh, just a few people that you can go in deep with and be honest where if you're in a desperate or dire situation that endangers your life or someone else's life where you can reach out. And my, my mom didn't feel like she could reach out. You know what I'm wow. saying? And so, uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's what's up. Wow. She mentioned music. Um, yeah. You mentioned football and sports. Mm-hmm. What role did um, faith play in your childhood, or at what point, you know, did you realize that you know you needed a relationship with Jesus? Wow, uh, man, uh, my mom, you know, she would <laughs> she would drag me to church. So I was yeah. a drug baby when I was a little kid. So she oh, would yeah. drug drag me to church. Uh, but she, uh, you know, so for a while. But then uh, we. Uh, she stopped going to church. And mm-hmm. I think partly it was that she started experiencing uh, some functional depression because when my, my father left, she loved him. Like, no matter what, like, she was in love with mm-hmm. my dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so and she started, she became a functional alcoholic. Mm. So she could she worked two jobs. Uh, I didn't see her except for when transitioning to jobs for a while, for much of my teenage years. Um, and so, like, we, you know, not no, no weekends hanging out. You know, it was just, it was hard. Um, and so during that time, you know, and to be honest, like, you know, I was, I played, uh, with, we had practice football practice at this, at a field and across the ditch, it was a ditch like, uh, uh, where you could, if you jumped on the rocks, right, you cross over without falling in Well, across that ditch was a church. Mm. And so I, I started seeing like, 
you know, pretty girls going into this building. And I was like, ooh, man. Uh, and so, you know, initially went over there for the wrong reasons. But while I was while I would go over there on like when I would see a lot of kids going over there, you know, they would have events that may have some, you know, a little snack or, you know, just some time like a little Bible study. And so that initially started really piquing my personal interest. Mm -hmm. And it was some Sunday I got invited to church on a Sunday and it was some Sundays like my mom was honestly she was drunk and I would just make sure that uh, if she was throwing up that she wouldn't choke on her own vomit and I would position her to where if she, you know, threw up, then they would go on the floor and not that she would choke. And then I would go to church, man. Wow. And, um, and then I would come home and take care of her for a little bit. Then she'd get up, go to work, do what she need to do. Um, but yeah, man, that was, um, that was what, that was, that was kind of some of the things we went through and, and how I began to kind of encounter faith uh, and encounter, you know, Christian principles, like on a more personal level. Because mm -hmm. when I was going to church with her, you know, I just, I wasn't paying attention. I was kind of disconnected and just kind of there. So I heard music, I heard tambourines, I heard stuff going on. But in terms of like having any real memories from those times, you know, other than being there, I, I didn't. But as I was, you know, going on those Sunday mornings, and then eventually like, my mom was like, hey, where you going? And she came to church with me. You know wow. what I'm saying? Like, you know, so like, and so, like, at least on that day, like, she didn't she didn't drink. She stopped, you know, drinking on that, on those days. You know what I'm saying? And so it was little stuff how, because uh, some people think about how a kid maybe can't make a difference or can't mm -hmm. change a household. But, man, if, if God changed a person in that house, kid or adult or whoever, that the Lord, man, can use that person to influence. And not it wasn't me, you know, bagging on my mom, like, you a drunk, you this, you that. You know what I'm saying? You need to get up and do something with your life. It wasn't that. It was just me pursuing a thirst and a hunger that I had for something more than what I was experiencing. Wow. And, and, and God used that in order to touch my mom. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, bro. Man, yeah, that's, man. Hard. that's a that's a difficult... Um, transition because I was going to talk about sports for a minute um, yeah. and then we'll talk about you know, your current ministry so um, yeah. through all of that you you stuck with football you go on to yeah. Bay you would go on to Baylor football yeah. scholarship you got there in 94 to yeah. 01 so what led you to Baylor I mean why would you choose Baylor Man, the reason why I chose Baylor, it was just, it was honestly was was the location. Mm. It was, you know, further enough away from my family where I would have to develop some independence and could kind of have a life of my own as far as in Houston, but close enough to Houston where if something happened to my mom or she needed me, that I could I could get there. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so really, it was a lo locale thing, location thing, uh, more than more than anything. And actually, the funny thing about it was that I didn't have. A, a football scholarship to Baylor at the time. I had academic scholarships. Wow. And uh and and so I um and I, I was I was like, man, well man, I'm gonna go ahead and walk on and just see what happened. And I earned a scholarship later, but like uh, a football scholarship later. But like initially it was just, you know, academic stuff. So like I used school and sports as a way to to that was my vacation away from my pain. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so like when I was, you know, so I was a uh man a uh an honor, a honor student, you know what I'm saying, Get, graduating the top, you know, 5 to 10% of our class, all that stuff, you know, just uh, I was working hard at that, trying to create something better for my life, but also trying to escape 
the struggles of my life. You know wow. what I'm saying? And so rather than running to the streets or running to drugs, and things were a lot different back then because, like, if if it was certain, the neighborhood we was I was growing up in, if they... Um, if they saw some potential in you, these were the thugs. These mm. were the cats smoking drugs on the corner, selling dope. And if they saw some potential in you, rather than trying to pull you into their situation, it's like, man, don't be out here smoking weed with us. If, if we see you out here, we're going to whoop your tail, you know? Mm. And so you need to be out there on that football field. So it was a certain code in the, in the streets in my neighborhood where if they saw positive potential in you, they couldn't coach you in how to be positive, but they would make sure that if you were around the wrong place at the wrong time, they would scare your butt so bad that you want, wouldn't want to be out there. And you'd be like, man, I'm going to stick with football. I'm going to stick with, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so um, it was just and, – and, and the streets are not like that no more. They suck everybody in nowadays. Right. But, um, but, yeah, so, yeah, really it was a locale situation, a lo- location situation, which, which compelled me to Baylor uh, for my family, you know, so – you know, I got to tell you, you're probably one of the first people I've ever talked to or met that said they use school as an escape and academics. Usually, it's sports or yeah, something else. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. Yeah. That's a great example yeah. too, especially um, you know any students that we have listening. That yeah. you know, it's okay to to use academics as an escape too. That's good. It is. It is. Yeah. Man. It is. So you were at Baylor during an interesting time, and you experienced <laughs> a, a coaching yeah. change and just. Uh, <laughs> Just a very uh, difficult time um, on the field. What would you say, though, during that time? What was the spiritual climate of the team? Man, um, it's funny because um, let me say this, too. Like, right before I got to Baylor, my junior year, actually, uh, in high school, that was a a spiritually transformative time for me. Hmm. Uh, Because the reason why is for a while, I was angry at a lot of people. I was angry at uh, just, you know, why my life was this way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and fun, I wasn't even mad at my mom. You know, I was angry with my dad, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just a lot of anger that I had in me, and I used, obviously, sports in terms of the physical aggression to get some of that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, um, man, I went to one of my coaches, my head coach, Coach Ray Seals. He's like, man, you want to go to a football camp? And I was like, yeah, man, that that'll be. Says college recruits there, and you'll get some some training and get you ready for you, you know, your senior year or whatnot. And so um, I I went to, and I didn't. Know, he didn't say it in front, but it was a fellowship of Christian athletes camp. Wow. And so uh, when I went there, and the, and the camp was great. It wasn't that I was disappointed, you know, or anything. Like we, it was great. It was it was on Rice University's campus, so we stayed there for the week, you know working out and stuff like that, but we'd go to chapel twice a day, and they had different speakers. Some of them were current NFL players. Some of them were past NFL players and baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a couple of other sports, you know what I'm saying, but mainly it was football. Um, and so, man, it was just during that time, man, I, you know, I, I started, you know, I gave my life to Christ, you know what I'm saying? Like, re, I rededicated because I had went, I had got to, I gave my life to Christ like in middle school, but it was like at a transition point where I was dealing with some some racial yeah. issues. Yeah. You know, being a, a black man, African, uh, a black kid in the, in the conditions that I was in. And so I had gravitated towards the Nation of Islam and other mm. um, uh, uh, faiths that was, was luring me in because the church wasn't communicating to me. The church wasn't, you know, active and, and doing things within the community. They were doing things in their church, but yeah. they weren't doing things in the community 
that was making a difference and an impact. And every time I looked around, I saw these Muslim brothers, you know, doing this and doing that and helping out and helping uh, those that were in uh, low situations and stuff like that, helping cats get off drugs. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, you know, so I was thinking like, you know, where they doing stuff. I wasn't thinking on a theology level. I was just thinking on a level of they're doing things that are actively helping people in my community right. that Absolutely. are desperate and destitute. And so I, I gravitated towards that. But, man, the Lord convicted me. So I was sitting at it, and I was going to church because my mom had started going to church. So I was going with her. And then one Sunday, man, that pastor preached the word that just, it touched me in a way where, it had, and I heard the spirit of the Lord say what, what, what these people are trying to do for the black community, I can do for the world, but you got to follow me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so, man, and I accepted Jesus Christ. That and I, I remember crying when I heard the voice of the Lord. And then when I lifted up my eyes, man, I was standing at the altar. I don't even remember going through the wow. or nothing and gave my life to Christ in middle school. And then just was making that journey, you know what I'm saying, uh, bit by bit, you know, going to Bible study. And just, you know, it wasn't like no miraculous things happening at that point, but it was just the process had begun, mm -hmm. you know. And then when I went to the FCA camp, God, you know, put the nail in the coffin in terms of sealing the deal with me to where it was like, Lord, I'm all in. Mm. Like, when I say all in, my life changed to where I wasn't fornicating no more. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I stopped, you know, uh, having sex with the girl I was dating. I stopped looking at females in a sexual way because that was my hang up. It wasn't drugs, but it was it was uh, utilizing mm -hmm. sex as a way, you know, to 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 face some of my issues or to deal with or to just, you know, have pleasure or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, fleshly pleasures and so um i um but man when i when i made the and you know my my dude's like man what's wrong with you bro you like you ain't want to go to no parties you know and i'm trying to figure it out and i was just hungry for the word you know what i'm saying i, I was just reading the bible bro and um and the, and those things god began to you know really solidify that foundation so by the time i got to baylor i was so set in living for jesus mm. you know what i'm saying to where yeah, when I claimed the spiritual climate wasn't all that, you know what I'm saying? Like they had FCA, but FCA wasn't engaging the African American right. players. You know what I'm saying? Like every time I went to FCA, it was just you know all the white players. You know right. what I'm saying? And most of them weren't even football players. It was baseball right. and other sports that was there. And it was like, man, come on, you know what I'm saying? And so I would go, you know, but then I would be, you know, live my life in such a way where the, where the guys that maybe wasn't the brothers and sisters who wasn't engaged in that, you know what I'm saying? They mm -hmm. were like, man, hey, Marv, man, you know, can you pray for me? You know what wow. I'm saying? Or can you? I became an unofficial chaplain for the team. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's and powerful. Just, live, living my life, man, you know what I'm saying? It, you know, brothers valued it, and they were like, bro, man, like you, like Amart is for real about his walk with God, man. If you need prayer, if you want somebody to talk real with you, you need to talk to that brother, man. You know what I'm saying? And so... That was and so through that God began to affect certain components of the the atmosphere, you know what I'm saying, of our team, you know, in that way. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I wasn't, you know, everybody didn't want to be my best friend, but they knew that, hey, this brother is for real about his and that he's someone that can be counted on and can be trusted when it comes to dealing with difficult issues and somebody that's gonna try to get in contact with God on your behalf. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, Lord. Yeah. yeah, man. So, I mean, God just put you there um, on the football team, to, you know, to to do his work. That's good. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, That's man. That's awesome. So, while at Baylor, you know, you meet you meet a, a young lady who's on the track yeah. team. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> she had quite the um, athletic career as well, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met, met my wife actually at study hall because freshman year, every every student athlete got to go to study hall. And I met her in study hall, and I was like, you know, at that time I was dating somebody else. So I was like, man, she's a cool person, you know. And um, and we just became friends, nothing more, nothing less, and just real cool uh, with each other and became the best of friends and actually just talking with each other about, man, I'm dating so-and-so and I don't know what to do and I'm trying to do the right thing, you know, just those types yeah. of conversations. Um, and, and and eventually, you know, God budded the relationship. We were both single and I started, you know, you know, catching feelings mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and and let that let that be known and say, hey, I really don't, I value our friendship, you know, substantially. And so, like, I just need to get this off my chest. Yeah, and it was right before Thanksgiving holiday because I knew we was about to have a break. So if she rejected me, then I had some time to recover while I'm eating some turkey. And uh, and so uh, I, I I just delivered the message and was like, man, this is I, you know, I would love to today date you and you know, like for us to you know be more than just friends. And so, but if not, I totally understand because we have an awesome friendship. And so and I, you know, just something to think about. Yeah. Left left it with her, and then you know after a while she you know. Uh, it's funny because, yeah, like when I shared that, um, then shortly after that, like situations have, we didn't ever talk about it after that until uh, actually at, like right before my dad's funeral. My mm. my dad was uh, was uh, passing away, well, had had passed away. And that's a whole nother ministry in and of itself because my mama called me and told me my dad was sick while I was in college. Mm. And so and I was like, no, nah, I'm not coming home. Like when I'm coming home, she's like, please, son, come home. So because my mother asked me, I went home, and um, and at that time he wasn't in the hospital, and he had uh, he brought some kind of, I guess, peace offering. It was some place that he had from his his family heirloom, like it mm-hmm. was some gold, and it was nice stuff. But I I wasn't interested in that. So when he gave it to me, I started breaking the stuff in his face, and just like just breaking it on the ground and just being you know, belligerent because I was angry, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he told me, he, he said, man, I've been watching you play football all through high school, all your television games. I went to some of your games and I never knew that, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, so um, all this stuff going on behind the scenes and I just, you know, choked. He's like, I just, you know, stayed out of y'all life because it seemed like your mama was doing well or whatever. And so, um, and so I left, you know, and then shortly after that, my mama called again. He's come home. He's come see you. I said, I already seen him. Like, what? Say, please come home. When I came home that time, he was in the hospital. And mm. uh, come to find out, he had got he had contracted HIV, and it had uh, it was killing him. It was mm. it was converted to AIDS, and he was dying. And um, and man, uh, I left. You know, I didn't say nothing. I just went in there, saw him, and left. And um, and while I was driving back to, I drove back to Waco that night. And while I was driving back. Man, I've smelled the scent of death. Like mm. I, I, you know, I can't even. I stopped my vehicle a couple of times to see if I had ran over something. Like it was that, you know, powerful a smell. And I was mm. like, man. And when I got home, the Holy Spirit was just convicting me. It was like, you need to go back, and you need to first of all forgive him, and you need to lead him to lead him to Christ. Wow. You need to do the prayer prayer of salvation with him. And I was so like, but the the Spirit was so on me. I drove back that night, literally. When God dealt me on that, I drove back that night, and the whole time driving back, I started praying. Lord was like, "You need to speak out loud to this to this spirit. You need to speak out loud to the heaviness and the and the unforgiveness that's in you." So I started speaking out loud. I I, I forgive him in the name of Jesus. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I you know what I'm saying? Just you know, like 
them crazy prayers, man, because yeah. you know, they, some folks can be like, you know, you can just pray in your heart, but it's some stuff you got to do warfare out loud and speak into the atmosphere, you know what I'm saying, that'll mm. change your situation. And, man, I uh, I began to say that, and I was like, and I was talk, talking to Satan, talking to the enemy, the devil, I love him in the name of Jesus, by the power of the blood of the Lamb, you know what I'm saying? Like, just wow. speak the, the whole drive home, bro. Was that was what was going on with the warfare and the cleansing that was taking place, man? And by the time I got there and got to the to the hospital, man, uh, walked in there, man, and 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 told him I forgive them, you know what I'm saying, through the power of Jesus Christ, and said, man, you know, I want to I want to pray for your salvation. I want to pray, you know, that you be in the right standing with God. You know, at that point in time, he couldn't talk, but he could he could you know uh, respond like in facial stuff, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so, and I did let him, let him did the prayer of salvation with him, man. Um, and prayed for him and then left, man. And left with such a peace, bro. You know what I'm saying? And shortly after that, my mother called me and said he had passed away. Wow. What, yeah. I mean, just the power of just obedience right there of you, yeah. of yeah. you. I mean, listening, yeah. being yeah. in tune with the, with, with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, that's just amazing testimony yeah, to yeah. sometimes uh, being obedient is not easy. But, no, it's not. Yeah, but it's yeah, the look, right look, but it's the right thing yeah. every time. It is. It is the right thing every time. For Man, real, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to kind of fast forward a little bit. Just yeah. um, talk about just ministry. Um, I think that's a, a, a good segue. Um, you are in full-time ministry and have been, um, anywhere from a rap artist to mm -hmm. your organization called Movement Up. You're also a mm -hmm. pastor at a Methodist Boys Home. So let's talk about, um, let's start with, uh, music, um, cause you yeah. mentioned early on in your childhood being exposed to music. So now, yeah. um, yeah. you, you're an artist yourself. So, yeah. um, talk a little bit about that briefly and then, you know, who's your, target audience in this music yeah yeah man um the target actually just kind of you know i've been you know writing <laughs> writing rhymes and mm -hmm. and uh, uh and rapping you know for a while and then uh when god uh tra transformed my life because of the relationship i was having with jesus and the encounter i was having with him personally and the transformation that was taking place obviously whatever comes out of whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out so my music began to change, you know what I'm saying? The poems I was writing and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, began to change and communicate the struggles of, of trying to live holy, the struggles of trying to be a, a young man and walking after God, uh, and, and also the victories and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the celebrations that's in that as well. And so, uh, and so started, you know, rapping for the Lord, like, you know, uh, you know, did a few things at my church youth group, but then, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that that you know bubbled off into some other stuff and so as i was you know in college you know just uh would go around to local churches and you know offer to you know to minister in the youth groups and then sometimes people would have outreaches and say hey man you want somebody to come out there and you know rap with the people so um it, at that point it was it had two audiences it was a target audience of to encourage and to uh equip young saints, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. saints who were influenced by rap, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Cause not everybody, you know, cause nowadays, you know, rap's been around for a while. So now when I, when I rap at events, it's not just kids that's feeling it. It's other kids or uh, adults Amen. who grew up listening to rap, 
you know what I'm saying, who are in their 30s and some of them in their 40s who, like, you know, rap was all they was all they listened to. And so it ministers to them as well. But then also uh, having songs that really communicate with with people who are far from God, who are who feel disconnected, who are not in a relationship with Jesus and, and compelling and calling them, you know, uh, to come uh, to faith and and to uh, to help them see that, hey, even though you maybe felt like God wasn't present, these are the ways that he was present. You know what I'm wow. saying? And so, uh, so like, you know, it kind of, it morphed into that. And then, uh, as I've continued to do music, God began to open up opportunities for me to go into sharing schools, you know, where some of the schools we went into was going, while well, I was going to, you know, you can't, you know, say, say, um, you can't evangelize the kids or proselytize or whatever the word they use, right. uh, uh, the kids. So, you know what I'm saying? They love your music. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, okay, you know, so I adjusted some words. So instead of saying Jesus, I was like, you know, uh, morning star, bright morning star. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I, I would use some of his other names yeah. in the in the raps, you know what I'm saying? And it was still like no problems. It was and one time I was I was uh rapping at a school in Colleen, and man, the 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 event full full of students, the gym was full of kids, was so awesome that uh, the kids didn't want to leave. And so the principal came and said, sir, you know, can you can you stay for like another hour? And I was like, what you, I, I said, I pretty much, she said, but now nah, just talk to him. She said, when I say just talk to him, just talk to him. So if you want to talk about Jesus, our, our program is officially over. So we're not on school time no more. Right. So now you go ahead and, and break bread with him because she was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I know, I know what the source of your power is, and I sense the anointing in you. So please, just, just tell them, tell them what God needs you to tell them. You wow. know. And so, man, got a chance to minister the gospel. You know what I'm saying? In the school setting, man. And so, like, you know, God does stuff like that. So then I started being more conscientious about, you know, okay, Lord, if you want me to be in schools then I need you to give me content that speaks to that environment, that mm. ministers to the, the issues and the needs of, of that environment musically. And so, man, he started giving me school, you know, flows that was laced with biblical truth. Like he was having me up in Proverbs and, you know, giving me certain things to, to impart into these to these lyrics that was biblical truth, but it wasn't, I guess, uh, uh, I guess explicit, like out in front of your face type thing, but it was all laced with, with God's truth and his word and his direction. And one of the things that God started dealing with me on before going into the schools, he showed me the passage when um when Jesus turned water into wine and uh, he took me to that place. And when I was reading it, you know, Jesus, you know, the party's going south and, 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 and Jesus says, okay, I'll hook this up. And so when he, uh, when he, when he gives them the wine, he's like, don't tell them where they got, where he got, where you getting it from. Mm-hmm. Just, just give it to them. And so they served it up. Oh man, this is the best. Yada yada yada. And I was like, well, man, what's the what's what's the revelation, Lord? What you want me to see? So I went back a little bit before that uh, to uh, when uh, you know they were running, telling everybody, man, the Savior is here, the Messiah is here. Mm. You know. And when when the, when the uh, disciple was sitting under the tree, he said, man, who is it? He said Jesus of Nazareth. He said, what good can come out of Nazareth? And so. Uh, the Lord had me studying just the, the negative views and uh, about Nazareth, that it was some some negative vibes and, and perceptions about that place, and that if 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 something was to come out of that place, it wasn't going to be worth much. Hmm. And so the reason, so God took me back to the wine passage and what it was saying. He was like, if he would have told him, if the servants would have told him where they got the wine from, Jesus of Nazareth, some of those folk would have spit it out. 
some of those folk wouldn't have received it because of where they perceived it came from. You know That's what I'm right. saying? Not knowing, you know what I'm saying? And so God was like, hey, you know, don't worry about telling them what the source of your flow is, what the source of your inspiration is musically. Just write the content, deliver the content, serve up the content, watch the impact be made, and continue to do what I've called you to do. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we feel like this obligation. Man, I'm, I'm a Christian. This is, what's, this is what's the source of this is. We want to get a backstory on everything. And some people don't need the backstory. Yeah. They just need the fruits and the result of what God has placed in you. And then, as it goes on, God going to show himself. That's right. You know just be a light. God, yeah, yeah. Just be that light. And so that's what he's like. Just when you're in the schools, I need you to just be a light. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And so, and that's what, what, what Movement Up was birthed from uh, as far as, you know, the, the, art, the artist and the speaking side in terms of that goes. Yeah. Well, I, and I got to tell you, I mean, there's not a time that I can think of in my life that there's a greater need for that yeah. in the schools and I'm, yeah. you know, just something positive in the schools. That yeah. that's awesome. Um, you're also a pastor at a local Methodist boys home. So, uh, yes, just share a little bit about that and kind of your role there. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so uh, funny thing, God is so, he's so funny. He'd take things full circle. While I was at Baylor, I started, I, I have a bachelor's in social work. I was working on my, working on my bachelor's in social work as an undergrad. And I started intern at a Methodist home, Methodist children's home where I'm pastoring now. So I started as an intern and then they, they put me on part-time because they was like, man, you do so good with these kids part-time. So I was doing that. Then I became full-time while I was still going to school. And then, um, when they found out I was getting my master's in social work, they offered me a caseworker position. So I'm wow. going through all these years of school and stuff, doing this stuff at Methodist Children's Home. And then uh, then they promoted me to an an admissions caseworker. So I interviewed all the kids who were prospective uh, residents for the Methodist Children's Home as well as for the Boys Ranch. And so... Uh, and then God called me into ministry to do the, the rap and the, and, the, and the traveling youth evangelism thing full time. And then I left and periodically the, the chaplain remembered me and he would call me back, you know, every now and then when he needed a sabbatical, he's like, Hey man, I'm taking a break. Can you come rap and, and preach mm. on a Sunday for me? Yeah. And so like, it may, it may happen every six, maybe, you know, seven months, every now and then. Um, uh, and while I was doing that, um, in addition to the other things I was doing, um, I was approached by the vice president and said, hey, man, uh, we want to talk with you about what it would take to permanently, you know, have you as a part of Methodist Children's Home in terms of, you know, a pastor or a preacher or we don't know what it's going to look like because we have never, you're not a Methodist, first of all, so we've never had a non-Methodist, you know, in this type of position, nor uh, are you, uh, <laughs> you know, we've never had an African-American in this type of position um and so like it just was a lot of variables you know mm. um and so man i fasted for a month bro uh i said man uh give me some time let me pray and see god y'all pray and see god and so man i pushed back from the table just just water in the word brother and uh and, <laughs> and uh and man god just poured into me and just gave me some direction and when i went and talked to them they said okay this is our options We'll offer you, if you just want to preach here once a month, this is what we'll pay you. If you want to work here part-time, this is what we'll pay you and what we can offer you. If you want to work here full-time, this is what we pay you, this is what we can offer you. And we will also give you, you know, the leeway and build a team that if you need to be out doing your rap or whatever else you do, that you can still take that time and do that and, and things can still function here. 
you wow. know. And so, like, God created a position for me, man. You know what I'm saying? Just to be, you know, honest with you. And so through through that, uh, so then, I, you know, God said go. So I became the pastor at the Methodist Children's Home. Uh, the main campus is where we have chapel at, but we have a boys' ranch. And so, like, I, which is right outside of Waco. And so those kids, you know, come in here. I go visit them uh, on a weekly basis and spend time with them as well, just talking about life and whatever. And so, um, but but a lot of what I do, you know, people say, you know, pastor, but I do more fathering than pastoring, mm. to be honest with you. And so, um, you know, being a positive male role model uh, to both uh, girls and guys, because what I've discovered is that um, the father is the source of identity. Mm. And without 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 the father, even when you look at it on the most basic level, when when a when a when a child is born, they receive the last name of the father. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, on the most basic level, that identity is ascribed to the child from their father. Mm-hmm. And so, and God was saying, you know, as, 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 as your heavenly father, I ascribe your identity to you. But these kids are floating around here with no identity. That's why you have gender confusion. That's why you have, you know, uh, uh, you know, boys feeling like I got to be a thug or I got to be hard or I got to be this way. Girls feeling like I have to be hypersexualized. Or for people to identify, you know what I'm saying, or to, to recognize me. And so the identity struggle is so prevalent. And so, like, I spend a lot of time just, you know, helping them uh, see themselves in a different light other than what the world is trying to pour out on them. So, yeah, I preach, you know, on Sundays. But during the week, I'm walking around spending time with kids. I, uh, God bless with somebody donated money to Methodist Home where we open up a studio here. So wow. I teach music, music production, songwriting, help them record their own stuff, show them how to put it out. You know what I'm saying? And helping them find identity outside of some of the negative things that maybe they've been gravitating towards or maybe that their families have pushed on yeah. them. Because some, some of them is not so much their choices. It's been the choices of their, their parents or guardians. Uh, those entrusted in their care have made some poor choices that have affected these kids. So it's, it's a variety of reasons why they're here, but it all boils down to God allowing me to be a, 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 a source of providing them a godly alternative to finding their identity and, and who they are in Christ and who he's created them to be. Yeah. So I have to ask you, you mentioned your wife, Jennifer, um, yeah. And as a side note on athletics, I mean, she was inducted to the Baylor Hall of Fame recently. Baylor so, Sport, yeah, Baylor Sport so that's Hall of Fame. that's a yeah, big yeah. deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. But y'all also have two kids. So I've got to ask you um, this: How do you balance being a husband, a dad, and mm. ministry as a pastor to, to yeah. you know a, what 150 kids at the Methodist yeah. Home, yeah, sir. and then yeah, you sir. got movement yeah. up. So how do you balance that, man, bro? The the key word in that is being intentional. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to, you have to be, because at first I struggled. When I first started pastoring, you know, serving as a pastor at Methodist Home, man, I was here like 60, sometimes 80 hours a week, bro. Like, just mm. here, you know what I'm saying? And probably wasn't and, enough, right? No, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't, you know what I'm saying? And then the stuff I was doing with moving up and, and all that stuff, uh, man, and, you know, my wife, you know, obviously she had to talk with me, my kids, same thing, because, uh, you know, my kids are, you know, they, they started getting that age where they just, they just say whatever comes to mind, which I appreciate. That's part of being young is that you don't have no filter. And it's like, damn, why are you on your phone? Because I was returning emails and I was, mm. you know, getting, getting invoices sent out. So payments can be received. So I can, you know, I'm, you know, and as a man, you think, well, man, I'm providing for my family. You know, like you wouldn't have a good Christmas if it's, you know, if I don't do this work, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But, uh, 
But man, God just, you know, hearing them say that, hearing my wife talk about it, and then having people in my life, like my, just the, well, part of the thing, because I'm not a Methodist, it had to make sure that there was a supervisor over me who was, you know, who was Methodist. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, and so, you know, which is cool. And so, but one of the things that that sister, uh, uh, sister Clark, you know, shared me, she's like, you know, Ma, you know, like, you're doing a great work here, but I don't want you to burn yourself out. So one of your, and she, she made me set a goal of balancing my time. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like she, she was like, this is your goal. Like if you don't do well on this, you're going to get a low employee rate next year. You know what I'm saying? And so like she put some pressure on me, but, um, but then also there was pressure on myself because I didn't want to go out here and save the world and lose my family in the process, you know? And so, um, I started like, I cut my phone off after a certain time. I, um, man, I don't return emails after a certain time, you know, uh, when I'm at home with my kids, I'm engaged in them. I'm not on my phone. You know, I put that mug in another room. Um, you know, I just, I just take intentional steps when I'm with my wife, you know what I'm saying? We just chilling phones are off. We in the bed talking or kicking it, or we'll go to lunch with just us. And I'll, you know, put, put, put everything on hold. Uh, I started saying no to events. You know what I'm saying? Like if certain things are going on as my daughter's getting older, she's playing volleyball. So I stopped doing weekend events because of her, her, uh, club volleyball games and stuff like that, man. So it was just being really intentional. And my son, he's into music. So taking him to his drum lessons every week and spending time talking with him and showing him things in the studio as he's learning stuff, uh, musically, um, so yeah, man, that, that's really it. It's like just being intentional, cutting certain things off, having clear cut, uh, hours of operation, so to speak. And then, uh, and then moving from there. That's, that's a good word because I mean, yeah. it's so easy to get busy doing good that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, especially ministry. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah, I had a yeah. friend of mine tell me, he's like, look, you need, you need to learn how to say no. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, sir. Yes, saying sir. no yes, to sir. good things is not wrong. Exactly. You know, exactly, j- just because exactly. it's ministry doesn't mean you have to do it. So that's that's good, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, but exactly. I think a lot of times, you know, at least I struggle with that too. It's yeah. yeah, but this is God's put this ministry on my heart and this is what I need to be yeah. doing, but yeah, yeah. But I have to remind myself my number one ministry is my family. Yeah, it is. It is, you know, man. It is, man. That's, it is, that's bro. tough. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing, and I remember it was a kid told me at Methodist home cuz something had happened and um and I was like, hey man, I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go pick my kids up. And my daughter got something going on. And uh, it was another kid busting and said, no, Pastor Ma, I need to talk to you. And a a, a little girl came in. She said, y'all better let him go get his kids. Cause if my daddy would have been involved in my life like he is in theirs, I might not be here. Whoa. One of my, met- my methods home kids, bro. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That you talking about yep. powerful. Yeah, man. So, so the life that I live before them, because they watch me with my kids. When my kids come to church, or I'm spending time with them, I, I've, you know, I notice how they be looking at everything. They listen to every word. Like, how is he as a dad? Like, you know, how, you know, how are they responding? You know what I'm saying? Like, they're intrigued by my dynamic with my kids and with my wife. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because they, some of them hadn't seen that. They hadn't seen functional or healthy family interactions. And so, yeah, man, it was stuff like, it was just all these little variables that God was sending to let me know I was doing the right thing by making these adjustments, making these changes, saying no, cutting out my time, no matter like, you know, and I tell kids, man, you know, don't, cause now that with Facebook and social media, 
the people that you minister to have unlimited access to you if you allow them. That's right. So like, you know what I'm saying? So like, I, you know, stop, you know, don't, you know, I didn't return inbox messages. They inboxed me in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? Like, unless it was a, a, a life threatening crisis, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I was not, I was not, uh, I was not replying to no message. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And so and it was like, man, I messaged you last night, Pastor Mon. I said, yeah, man, I'm not on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? After a certain time, I'm with my family. You know what I'm saying? And so just, just let it, and then speaking that thing and not feeling guilty about it because I started noticing out of all those kids that I set boundaries around in terms of, hey, this is my family time, only one kid bucked back and was like, man, but you know what I'm saying? Your family ain't the only one that needs you. Hmm. And I was like, you know what I'm saying? See, that's the, that's the, that's, you know, I say I understand that, but also I, I have a, 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 a bound responsibility to be a good steward of the wife that God has given me, the children that God has mm, given me. Amen. And I count it a privilege to serve them. That's you know right. what I'm saying? And That's if I right. got to choose between serving them and serving you, I got to go with them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was like, you would want the same thing from your father if he was in your life. Yeah. And it was like, and, and once we had that conversation, it was done. Like that kid, you know, she adjusted and, and the other kids here, you know, they adjusted and it was like, Hey, you know, we, we respect that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's good. You know, we, you know, so yeah, man. That's you know, it, man. and that's a good reminder, not just to those in ministry. Um, yeah. You know, we have coaches that listen to this, uh, mm, business mm. folks that listen to this podcast. That's just a reminder yeah. to all of us that no matter what yeah. our profession is, that's not yeah. our that's not our identity and that's not our responsibility. So yeah, you know, yeah, if, yeah, if we yeah. neglect our families and we're well, we're not successful in our careers. That's that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah and, the, and the Bible describes those that don't take care of their family as infidels, man. Yeah, unfaithfuls, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, the word reminds us of those little things. Like, man, you have to, you know, take you know take care of, you know, you know, faith, family, and everything else. You know what I'm saying? Like, keeping things in the proper order uh, is so crucial, and and helping us have the proper perspective. On our life, because I think keeping things in a proper order also reminds us of what's really important. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Like, because right. because there's some things that we'll think, oh, I got to do this, I got to take care of this right now. But then if I pull back and take proper perspective on it, then I'm like, bro, like, I really don't need to do this right now. I, That's I, right. I can actually go to my son's, you know, recital, or I can go to, you know, whatever. I can do this, man. Like, I'm. Why am I putting this pressure on myself? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so yeah, man, it's it, it definitely makes a difference. Perspective, man. Let me let me let me ask you this. So, there's student athletes that listen as well. So we talked. I mean, what what we just talked about applies to them as well about the proper yeah. perspective. But what's one little quick piece of advice or encouragement that you would offer that one student athlete that's listening that um, wants to just really be bold? in their faith at school. Cause I mean, it's no secret. It's hard to yeah, live. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. as a, as a student athlete, it's tough to live, um, yeah. boldly for Christ and, you know, and athletics is a platform. So what encouragement yeah. would you offer that, that student athlete that's going, you know what? I hear what he's saying. I get it. I want that same boldness. I want to live unashamed for Christ in this difficult time in the school. So how would you encourage them? Man, um, one of the ways in terms of just like just an overall deal uh, that I that I think about is, you know, choosing, you know, your inner circle wisely. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, part of it is because, you know, um, when I talk with student athletes, a lot of them aren't like 
having trouble with like reading the word, pers- like personally reading the word or their study time or prayer time. The ones that are serious, you know, like they, they like they, 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 you know, reading the word and, and have their devotional times and, you know, praying and spending time with the Lord, uh, worshiping, you know, uh, maybe involved in the church band or whatever. But the, the life that they live outside, you know, is, is sometimes uh, difficult uh, and heavy in a way uh, where they feel like they can't really be who God has created them to be uh, outside or, or mm. with their teammates. And so, I, you know, part of it is like, Lord, you know, praying like God, you know, what I'm saying help me to find the people who have the same heart and the same, uh, you know, same heart, at least towards the things that I'm trying to do for you. And so uh, connecting with building a small circle of trusted, you know, brothers who are sisters who, um, who connect with you athletically because something being a, being a student athlete is different. It's like, it's, you know, I don't care like what you do. It's, it's, it was a culture shot. It was a shot going from student athlete to just working in the work environment. You know right. what I'm saying? Because you work in the work environment. It's a lot of people that have never played sports, you know, they, uh, and so they don't know the camaraderie. They don't know the, the, the things that go into being as uh, a great, the greatest athlete you can be. Uh, and so, like, connecting with people on uh, your team or, um, you know, finding out those who, who have a heart, who have a heart to want to just do right by God. Not that they're perfect, but and then meeting with that small group, you know what I'm saying, whether mm. it be just touching base. When I see them in the hall, give them five and, you know what I'm saying, give them a bro hug or whatever. And be, That's hey, good. Bro, That's I'm good. praying for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, know, you know, anything I can pray for you on, bro, like, I got you covered. You know what I'm saying? You need anything, you know. Um, you know, just stuff like that. And so you build a community within the community because the, the, the team itself is a community. Mm-hmm. But then you have to build a, a community within that community who have a heart for the sacred things of God, who have a heart for wanting to see light and life and change uh, in the lives of individuals that go beyond the field. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's good. And so, yeah, you know, and it don't have, like, again, it don't have to be a lot of people because we get so struck on numbers sometimes. But if it's just two people, the Bible say when two or more touch and agree, you know what I'm saying, that that I'll be in the mix. And so it's like if you find one other somebody else who got a heart for it, you know what I'm saying? And it may not even be, it may not be somebody on your football team, maybe another baseball player. That's right. You know oh, absolutely. It, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? It may not be, you know what I'm saying? It may not be somebody just on the same team as you, but but they in the same school. That's you know right. what I'm saying? And, yeah. so, and they're playing sports, golf, tennis, whatever they do. You know what I'm saying? But they got a heart, you know what I'm saying, for the things of God. And yeah. that's where it starts, bro. So, that's good. No, I think that's yeah. good. And make sure your own personal relationship with Jesus yeah. is solid and then surround yourself yeah. with with like-minded. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right, I'm going to close it out with one more, one last question. Um, what is a scripture right now that um, you would say is maybe a favorite or one that God's just really put on your heart lately um, that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that would encourage somebody today? It could mm-hmm. be, it could be a life verse. I mean, a lot of people have a life verse, yeah. or it could be one that God's yeah. just been showing you the last couple of weeks, but I just... I'd love wow. to hear, you know, a, a scripture that God's laid on your heart lately, and 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 we'll close out with that. Man, uh, man, Jesus, like what comes to my spirit, like immediately, like God's been having me in the book of Esther, and uh, and in the book of Esther, uh, there's a transition point uh, that takes place, um, and in that transition point, her 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 uh, her father figure. Uh, some say her stepdad. It wasn't her biological father because he had passed away. But her father, 
uh, had told her, maybe you have come into this position for such a time as this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe, it, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't about you being queen. It wasn't about you, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, having this prestige or, you know, um, getting to move from the pit to the palace. It wasn't, it was, it, the God put you in place in order to be a blessing to their community and to the, the, the entire kingdom. And so, you know, my deal is that, you know, knowing like, you know what I'm saying, like, Sometimes the struggles and stuff that we go to go through get so strong that we forget that there is a purpose for why we are where we are. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. there's that God has a plan and a, and, a, and a purpose for us. You know, whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, that God is looking to orchestrate that in such a way where it works for our good, where it works for his glory and the transformation of the lives of people who are getting to see us, you know, uh, Trek, you know, on this journey, you know what I'm saying? And so that would be like the one I don't like remember, like, you know, chapter and verse um, of that particular uh, uh, scripture. But in the book of Esther, you know, which is an awesome book, not super, super long. But um, but yeah, that's that's the one that 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 that's on me right now. That's good. That's good, man. Well, yeah. hey, I know I've enjoyed um, yeah. the conversation. Um, so I yeah. appreciate I know you're a busy man. So I appreciate the yes, time sir. today to to share your story and just be an encouragement to me and and, and many others that listen. So thank you. Amen. Amen. Man, I appreciate again, the opportunity, the invitation and the conversation uh, to be able to share with, uh, with your audience and uh, on your platform, man, just want to definitely again, shout out my beautiful wife, Jennifer and my, uh, my kids, Jason, Jade, and, uh, and uh, just, you know, and the, and the people who are involved in my life, Methodist children's home has been a blessing and, all those associated with movement up and the size of a man, Daryl Thomas, uh, all, all my people, man, just want to give him a shout out. Appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. What a powerful story. Thanks again to Ahmad for taking time to be transparent and to share his story with us. Powerful. I'm not even sure where to begin to summarize it, but I go back to what stuck out most to me was just being in tune with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit prompting him on a night drive back to Waco from Houston, leaving his father. His father's dying. He's harboring anger and bitterness. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to go forgive him and lead him to Christ. And Ahmad pulled over the car, turned around, drove back to Houston late at night and did that obedient. And God redeemed that with his father. It's the powerful testimony of we have got to just be obedient. Being obedient is not always easy, but it's always right. And just hearing about his ministry, how God has led him into schools in California, Arizona, New Mexico, here in Texas, through his organization, Movement Up, and his music, and just allowing him to to wrap the Word into schools and leading kids to Christ and preaching to these 150 or so kids each week at the Methodist home and um, leading his family well. Just a powerful testimony powerful ministry. So thank you for listening. And I believe it's one of the most powerful stories we've had on this podcast. I ask you to share it with everybody in your family, all your friends on social media. Let's let's flood social media and the internet with this story, I believe, can change lives. And that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to share these stories of faith, to encourage you, but also a platform to share the gospel through media. And I believe that podcasting is one of the greatest tools right now. 
So I ask you to, to share it with as many people as you can. Leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the more visible this podcast is, which increases the platform that God has given us to, to share the gospel through media. And the last thing is we love to hear from you. I say this at the conclusion of every podcast, and we mean it. We love hearing from you. Go to our Facebook page. Connect with us there. All In Sports Outreach. Send us a message. You can also see opportunities to pray for us, opportunities to serve with us, opportunities to give. Also visit our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Find out about our leadership team and in the four cities where we are located today. Find out what we believe. Watch videos that explain more detail why we do what we do. Sign up for our newsletter. So much content on our website to stay connected. And we, we love that. We appreciate each one of you and your support and your prayers and your encouragement. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again in advance for sharing this episode. I believe this one is going to touch many lives. So until next time.